I love this praise team. They do a fabulous job. And my, 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 when you can tell uh, when the anointing's on them and when the Lord's just doing great things, it's just, man. I love them little doodads when they just, you know, bump into each other and there's just something about that that, that just, just touches you and ministers to you. God is so good, isn't he? Amen. We're glad you come out on a Sunday evening and we appreciate you. Remember the Miller family, continue to pray for them as they uh, uh, go through uh, the loss of Brother Miller's mother and, and uh, Josh mentioned it this morning and, and uh, let's continue to pray for them and tomorrow's a service. We pray that you just pray for them the next few days for sure and allow the Lord to bless them. Didn't Brother Josh did an outstanding job this morning? Amen. <laughs> I was talking about, me and my wife was talking about that earlier, just how good the word was this morning. And uh, man, God's got a right on time word, don't he? I mean, God never fails us. He, he's not slow. He's not uh, lacking behind. And uh, sometimes we wonder where he's at. Sometimes we think, God, when are you going to answer this prayer? When are you going to meet this need? God, when are you going to come through? But man, aren't you glad that he is an on time God? I want to talk about something tonight. I'll not hold you very long. Um, I won't do what Josh said this morning, give you four different points and then say I won't be there long, but I'll not hold you very long tonight because I know it's Sunday evening, but we just want to allow the Lord to have his way. I want to preach on a topic tonight that's not very popular. It's not a, uh, uh, something that we, we talk about a lot anymore. It's something that we rarely uh, speak about, actually, just to be honest with you. Um, I was trying to think about the last time that I've heard a message uh, in this way, but it's been a quite a while, but it used to be something pretty well common. It used to be something that was spoken about often, but I want to talk about hell tonight. Help me. <laughs> it's not an easy subject. I, and, and you know, I, of all the years that I've been preaching, I, I told somebody, I said, you know, this is the weirdest thing that you just feel kind of odd preaching something like this. And I used to didn't think that before, Brother Josh. I never thought about it. I just do it, you know. But in this 21st century, things are a little bit different. We're different. Times are different. But the Word of God is still the same. But somehow we change. But um, if I had a title, I would just simply mark it something pretty simple. The man who prayed on the other side of the grave. Boy, that's rough, ain't it? <clears throat> I remember... I used to pastor a little church down in Fredericktown, Missouri. It was, it was just a little bit old store, school front building. Uh, they used to have school in there way back years ago, and they had them from kindergarten to the 12th grade. Kind of show you how old the little church was, and it was up on a hill, and it was in a, a, all, a graveyard was surrounded by it. And uh, all you seen was graveyards when you're out in the parking lot. You know, you'd think people's going to visit their loved ones, but there's actually some of them come to church. Uh, but it was just a, a, a built around a Catholic, a Catholic cemetery, and uh, uh, it was a beautiful place up on the hill and stuff. But uh, I'll never forget, I used to go in the... Uh, church and pray a lot and I'd go to church one or two o'clock in the morning and I would begin to pray. Then sometimes I'd get a little bit... Uh, uh, anointing on me and I think I'm going to go out in the graveyard and pray, you know, and uh, you go out there at two o'clock in the morning, don't always feel the best, you know, sometimes you think there's something behind you when there's really not, but uh, I was just a young man, but I just remember very well praying and I, and I remember I used to go by and look at the gravestones and, and look at different ones of them and see, you know, they was old and 
when people was born and when they come into the world and when they left the world, and there's one particular one I went by and they said, uh, dear brother, when you pass by this way and you see my grave, would you please say a prayer for me? And I thought back then as a young preacher, I thought, man, he they ain't going to help him now. So, you know, the man that, who prayed on the other side of the grave, we're going to find out in a minute there was no helping for him. And so the here and now is the best time that we could pray, church. And let me just read my text tonight, Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Let me just read start there, and I'll just read for a few minutes. There were certain rich men who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at the, his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by an angel to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger right there in the water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in these flames. But Abraham said, Son, Remember that in your lifetime you received the good things and how likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, comforted and then you are in torment. And besides this, there is a, 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 us between us, there is a great gulf fix so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send to my father's house, send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses the prophets, let them hear him. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one risen from the dead. Folks, our loved ones can't get saved by our help when we're in the grave. Nobody's going to go back and nobody's going to go talk to them and say, you know, Mike's in heaven and, and uh, Tom's in hell. And I'm going to try to keep you from that place where Tom went. It's a little bit too late past the grave. The testimony today is of a man who's in hell. The grave, the story, and you can look at 16 and 19 and 31 when you get home and you can read it. And most of you already know it pretty well. This is not a parable. Jesus names names in the verses here. Jesus tears back the spiritual fabric of life. He lets us see beyond the death into a world I want you to see this man. And I want you to hear his story. I want to tell you something. Hell's real tonight. It's real as I'm standing here. A man who had it all. This man was rich. He was very successful. We're not talking about a man that didn't have a third grade education. We're not talking about a man that uh, wasn't very smart. We're talking about a man that probably had it all. 
We're talking about a man that had so much uh, that he uh, gained wealth and gained riches and had men and women working for him, a man that had it all at one time, a man that was smart, a man that was educated, a man that knew what he was talking about, but yet he couldn't perceive some of the things of God. When this rich man walked down the streets, no telling that people took notice of him. Everybody probably recognized that was Mr. So-and-so, and you know, uh, he takes care of us. If we do work for him, he'll take care of us really, really well. There's a time when being good man is not enough. There's a time when being successful is not enough. There's a time for all men when death comes knocking on our door. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or what you think. All that matters is where you stand with the living God. There's going to come a time that we're all going to stand before God. There's going to come a time it doesn't matter if we're rich, poor, ugly, pretty, fat, wide, skinny. It doesn't matter. We're going to have to stand before the Lord one day. One day it's going to happen. The rich man came to that day. Now, I don't know if he was looking to come to that certain day, and I don't know if he got sick all at once. I don't know exactly what all happened, but the Bible said that he died and went to uh, a place that was full of torment. Now, there was back in 1989, I believe it was, some scientists went over to, uh, what was the name of that place that they went to? Over there in Russia was where it was at, but Siberia. And they dug deep into the ground. And I remember reading some things about geologists said that in 1999 that 15 feet below the earth is a living, a burning furnace. In late 1989, some scientists that was over in Siberia, over in Russia, they dug down into the ground and they said that they hit a hole. And when the hole had opened, that they... Uh, uh, recognized some things that was going on that was unfamiliar that just didn't didn't seem right and they thought their their, their audio that was bad and uh, it was 14.5 kilometers straight down to the earth and if I figured right I think that 14.5 kilometers is somewhere around nine miles straight down in the earth they found an opening there and they said there was all kinds of scientists that was there and they began to hear things and noises begin to make. And so I did some research on it. I went and, and Googled, like we all do, some things about Siberia, uh, the scientists there that dug holes. And they say that these scientists, when they went down and they begin to uh, put their microphones down, they can hear actually people screaming and yelling. Couldn't really make out a lot of things, but you can go and Google it and you can hear the video yourself. It's about a 30-second video, and uh, whether it's super true or not, I don't know. But I do know this, that there is a literally burning hell. Now, they feel like that it's truth. Everything that's been checked out on it has been truth. But I want you to know it doesn't matter if it really happened or not in 1989. There is a literally burning hell. No matter what we believe today, the Bible says that it was appointed unto man once to die in Hebrews 9 and 27. That's what the rich man did. It doesn't stop there. 
There comes the chilling words. And then there's judgment. Judgment. There's a day when we will all stand before God. We will stand as the judge. He will weigh our lives in the scale of justice. We will be judged on our eternal future and it will be decided for us. I've heard of people and I've listened to people and I've, I've listened to videos about people that has lived life after death and uh, I've, I've, you know, a lot of videos and a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of, I get on Facebook and, you know, and, and sometimes I'll read things and I'll tell somebody something that and they say, don't pay attention to that. You know, everything's true on Facebook. So sometimes I'll, I'll see things and I'll Google it, well, and you know, uh, I got to listen to this one man about six months ago. He began to talk about his experience. He died and he, he, he began to talk about how things happened in his death and he come back to life. But he said he remembered he went for Jesus and he said Jesus put a, on like a big screen everything that he had done in his whole life. And he said every little thing that I forgot, things that I didn't even remember, they were shot before my eyes. And he said it was amazing how that he knew every little thing, the good and the bad. And I don't know exactly how God is going to look back at us and how that God is going to go through our lives and how he's going to say certain things. Now, let me say this. I think if you're saved and you go to heaven, you don't have to worry about the judge. You have to worry about getting some rewards, I'm sure, but you're not going to get to stand before him whether you made it or not. You made it. So I want to clarify that. So I want you to know that we got it made, that part of us. Listen, hell's real. The rich man will tell you it is real. Hell is real and the place is utter terror. One of the scariest scriptures in the word of God that I just do not like is found in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 9 and 10. Hell from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you and all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones and all the kings of the nations. They shall speak and say to you, have you also become weak as we are? One of the scariest things is to think that Jesus, I mean, the word of God said, hell from beneath thee is excited about meeting you. And is excited about at your coming. It stirs up the dead. In other words, it moves them for you. Makes room for you. It's pretty powerful. This man, listen to this man. He knows what he's speaking. He said hell's real and it's a place of torment. Hear him. Hear the rich man. He says, I am tortured in these flames. His cry, his torment in his voice. He, he hears the pain and the anguish. He has ceased to exist. He's not asleep. He hasn't come back to another life. He's in pain. He's in horror. The Bible said that he feels, I hurt, I thirst. How thirsty is he? Remember the, la the beggar. He wanted just to come and take the dip tip of his finger and dip it in a thing of water just to quench the fur thirst that's just in his mouth. So he gives us the description a little bit of what hell's like. He gives us a little description that it's real tonight. The rich man Lazarus sees he's in, he sees paradise. He sees Lazarus sitting with Abraham. 
He sees it all. I'm telling you, people think that when they leave this world, this is it. It's not it. When people think that they leave this life, they think that it's over. I just die and go back to mother dirt. I'm telling you, there's more to life than the dirt. There's more to life than just merely thinking that it's not going to be that bad or, you know, I just don't think that God's going to do that to me. Let me rephrase it first. God don't do that to you. God's a good God. All good and perfect gifts come from above. See, God's a good God, the horror of hell. What would be worse than to be in hell and torment of hell and see and know what you have squandered to see that you could have been on the other side where Abraham's at. You could have been where the beggar's at, but you chose that I got plenty of time. Listen to the rich man in hell. Hear his words. Oh, Father Abraham, let Lazarus dip his finger in a cup of water and let it just one drop fall on my parched, dry tongue. I thirsty. One drop, just one drop from his finger. It's amazing that he was so wanting just a drop, not a glass. He didn't ask for a glass. He didn't ask for a half a glass. He said, I just need a drop. How many of you have been in the hospital before and you, you, you try to get uh, uh, the nurse to bring you some uh, uh, water and all, Mr. So-and-so, you can't have water, but we can get you chip, dip, what do you call it, chips? Ice chips, not dip. Don't nobody take dip. <laughs> you swallow, then you throw up, I'm sure. <laughs> but just, just give me some chips, and then, you know, the guy thinks, man, that's good. I get dip, get chips. <laughs> get ice. But that don't soothe it. That don't, you know, after a while, they look at you and say, honey, can I just get a glass of water? So can you imagine being tormented and just knowing that how bad things are and you just can't even get that going in your life? Matthew 13, verse 40 to 42, I'll read. Therefore, as tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the things that offended and those who practice lawlessness and I will cast them into the furnace of fire there will be welling and gnashing of teeth church if we've ever lived in a time of Noah's day where there's lawlessness we're living in it today if we're ever living in a time that the church is at the end of the age and time is running out we're there I know that sometimes we get, we get excited and we're about all the end time stuff and we're about uh, that Jesus is fixing to come back and I'm all excited about that as well. And we see what's happening over in Israel and Josh kind of spoke a little bit about it today. We see all the things that's happening in our world and the change that he's right, we're not going back to what it was in 2017 and 18. All of that has changed. Our world has totally changed. And I believe that we are in the end of the end time. And I believe that things are coming to a head. But the greatest thing 
thing that we ought to be concerned about is not what's happening next in America or what's happening next in Israel, but what we need to be concerned about is my soul's ready to go to heaven, that my sons and my daughters are going to make it to heaven. My children, their children, and their children's children is going to make it to heaven. I don't want to live this life 65 years old and I die in the grave and none of my children make it to heaven. What did I accomplish as a father? What did I accomplish as a man of God that said he carried the cloth and believed in the word of God? I, I come to tell you tonight, church, our greatest, our greatest need is to see our family come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sons and daughters, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, whatever it takes, we want to see them make it to heaven tonight. I'd hate to think of all the things that I've accomplished in life. And, and I realize that when I leave, when I leave, I'm not gonna, there's not gonna be very many people that remembers Mike Burton. I realize that a few of you will talk about me. <laughs> I don't wanna know what you say either, but I know you'll say something. But I know I won't be remembered a whole lot, but I'll, I want more than anything is to know that all my children's gonna make it. That I left some kind of legacy behind, Brother John. That people could see and say, man, I trusted in what he said. I believed in the word God is, what God can do. And I found out for myself that God could do the same thing. As a man, if I accomplished anything, that would be the greatest testimony in my life. But it's not only just about me. See, the Bible said, Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Jesus said at the cross, he said, come. It's all plain at the cross. He said, come, those that are brokenhearted. See, not only is this thing keep us out of hell, but I probably would have been nuts by now had I not had the Lord on my side. I'd have probably been a basket case had not Jesus been in my life. No, I probably would have been dead by now, just to think of it. But I'm glad that God looked way beyond and saw me. His own words, Father Abraham. Listen, there are many horrors in hell, but this is one of the worst. Hell is a place of remembering. That's the scary thing about hell. It's a place that we will remember things. Can you imagine? Listen to Abraham's answer. Son, remember, take note of that. Underline it, church. Circle it in your Bible. Hell is a place of remembering. We will remember in hell. Son, Remember in your life when you, you was going your way, you had it all going well for you, and there was an opportunity you could have served, but you chose different? Those are going to be one of the greatest torments in its hell in itself. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, it says, Then he will also say in those, excuse me, then he will also say to those on my left hand, Depart from me. You cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Think about it. 
everlasting fire. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 30, it says, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 10 and 28, let's read what it says. I'm just trying to give you some outlines on some things that's happening. <clears throat> Jesus teaches the fear of God. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him, fear him who is able to destroy the both body, soul, and both soul and body in hell, the Bible says. See, there's something powerful about God tonight, church. Jesus said, come unto me, all the that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said that hell was never meant for you. It was never there for you. It was never there to be placed on you. It was a place for the devil and his angels. And I'm telling you tonight that God don't want nobody to go there. It's not God's will. It's not God's plan. It's not God's way. It's not God's thought. God said, I want everybody to come unto me. I, I want those that's lost in the world to come unto me. I want those that are sick in body to come unto me. I want those that are afflicted in this world. I want those that are rich. I want those that are poor. I want those that are lame. I want those that are withered. I want those all around me to come to the place that I have prepared for you. See, Jesus simply said it tonight, church. He just simply said it. He come to the world to seek and to save that which is lost. Devil never ever did he want God to have his way. But Jesus said, I'll come and break the back of the strong man. I'll tell you, I'll make a way. I've done goats. I've done lambs. I've done all kinds of sacrifices in the Old Testament. But I'll spend my only son, my only begotten son. I'll send the great lamb of the world that will come without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. And I'll get him to give his life that you can have it tonight see I believe that Jesus wants everybody in this room to go to heaven you know what the scary thought is tonight probably not everybody's going that's scary probably not everybody's going I hate that because I don't want nobody to go to hell. I don't want nobody to have so much sin in their life that it keeps them out of heaven tonight. God don't want nobody to have that kind of sin in their life that would just cause them not to make it. Now listen, if you're saved tonight and you've messed up, that doesn't mean that God's up in heaven, got a wand, he's smoting you so you can go to hell. He's not that kind of God. I'm glad that he forgives sin. I'm glad that it will take a whole lot for me to go to hell tonight. Because God's not into uh, trying to make his people go to hell. I'd have to do an awful lot to lose out with him tonight. But sinner, don't know him, you're doomed. Sinner that's lost without Christ, that never accepted Jesus as your life, as allowed him into your life, or you may be backslid, you're doomed. Survey was tucking 40% of the world 
and 90% of the church, this is a recent survey, 40% of the world right now and 90% of the church thinks that the Lord's coming back real soon. They believe it. We as a body of believers believe that he's coming back soon. So if we believe that in the, in the world, 40% of them does, they know that something's stirring. And so our, 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 our job is tonight, church, is to reach the unreach and touch the untouched. Let people come to know the knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, I believe that God's looking for us tonight as the, his children tonight. We worry about a lot of things in church. We worry about what's going to get us to the next level, what's going to take us to the next uh, uh, point of, of the church, where are we going to get to in this place, in that time. But very seldom do we worry about what it's going to take to reach the loss, how much it's going to get, what we're going to do to, to make sure the loss gets saved. And, and thank God for Cassie and the women and all that she does. Uh, and thank God for those that still go knock on doors. Thank God for those that still will reach. But there's still a big world out there that needs somebody to go into the highways and the byways uh, and compel them to come into God's house. See, I believe there's a big opening tonight that God says, listen, I still got room in my father's house. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. Let me read this to you. This is a good one. Well, let me read this first. No, I'll read Revelation chapter 20 first. It's all right, it's all right, it's all right. <clears throat> And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to those words. Excuse me. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And the dead in Hades delivered up the dead who were in it. In them, excuse me, and they were judged each one according to the, their works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. <clears throat> I've got a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Huh? I've got a new name written down in glory. See, now, church, I'll just go a little bit deeper into that. That verse I just read to you, the church won't be there. We won't have to stand before that. We won't be there unless we're witnesses or whatever, but we don't have to be at that particular part of place. But those that die not knowing Jesus will stand before the great right throne judgment. And they will give account on the things that they've done here on earth. When God said, you remember that time when you was in church and I wooed you just a little bit and tried to get your attention to come, but you wouldn't. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, idolaters and the liars, which shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is again the second death see there's a lot of things that's going on right now church in revelation chapter three and i'm beginning to wind down 
Verse 16. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit or spew you out of my mouth. There's a lot of things that's happening tonight and I want to encourage you. Hell's real. It's a place that we don't like to think about. You know, I've done a lot of funerals in my day and, and uh, I'm sure Josh and all them's done funerals a lot and they're still doing funerals every day. I've done a lot of them and I've been to a lot of funeral homes. I've been to a lot of funerals. And you know what gets me all the time is whether that person's saved or not saved, they'll say they're in a better place. How many times has we as church people heard somebody say they're a lot better off today? They're not sick no more. They're not in pain. They're not in sorrow. They're, they're not in misery anymore. But really, are they in a better place today? You know, not that I want anybody to, but, but can you imagine, church, that we live in a society that I, I know this without a doubt, that we are the light of the world. We are. The Bible says that we're written epistles read of all men. They read our lives. They look at our lives. They, they, they check us out every day when we don't even think about it. They're looking at us. They're checking us, seeing if our walk is true. If we're really talking the talk and walking the walk. They look at you every day because you carry a sign saying, I love Jesus. So we're written epistles read of him. All men see us. And I want to tell you tonight, Jesus is truly the light of the world. But we are stitching cords that are plugged up to that light. And people sees us and watching our walk and watching us. And it behooves us tonight to try to get everybody that we can to come into the family of God. To tell them that there's a better way than they've been going. To tell them to come that Jesus come to save them and to minister to their lives. I'm telling you church, we've got the answer to what the world needs. We don't have to be scholars. We don't have to be men of great statue and know everything there is to know. Peter and them was ignorant and unlearned, but they had perceived that they had been with Jesus. The beggar was nobody in the eyes of the rich man, but Jesus took notice of him. Some people even in churches will hold their nose up in the air when somebody walks by that don't have the means that you got. Don't live the way you live. Don't talk the way you talk. Don't look the way. Don't, don't play the part. And that's a soul. I think about some of the people I've seen here at church and I think, boy, God, they've been through a rough time. They've been through a rough time. But aren't you glad that there's a church that opens their doors to those that had rough times? That you just look at them and you know that they've been through rough times. But they're also what we call in America, they're humans. And they have need of a Savior. Romans 2 and 16, in that day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. In closing, I want to tell you something, church. God knows every secret in your life. He knows everything behind every closed door. He knows what goes on in your house and he knows what goes on in my house. 
There was a song that used to say, there's a place in my heart that I don't go. I got some things in there that I don't want nobody to know. It was a good Christian song. But it just talked about places in his heart that he had things that he was ashamed of or she was ashamed of and she didn't like to go in there or he didn't like to go in there because there was things in there that he wasn't proud of. Listen, I want to tell you something. Hell's not God's choice for man. Jesus makes it clear in Matthew 25 and 41. Hell was not made. It was, not, it was only made for Satan and his angels and those that choose to follow him. In life, we make choices. Choices we make will determine where we will spend eternity. It's your choice. One thing that God has done in our lives, he's not made us robots. He's made us free mortal agents that we have a right to choose. We could choose to go be with him or we can choose to believe that you got plenty of time, which is a lie of the devil. That the enemy will tell you, ah, you're young. You got all the time in the world. No, you don't have all the time in the world. God does all he can short of forcing us to come to him. God woos us. God deals with us. God convicts us. God draws us. God brings people around us that will tell us, hey, I had a man one time when I was going through some things in Jefferson City. I had a man one time, one of, my, one of my good preachers that I still preach for today. He called me one, one day and he said, Mike, he said the Lord told me to tell you that the soul that sinneth will surely die. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. It was rough, but it's truth. <clears throat> Tuck my world as I knew it, but what he said was true. So see, God woos us and he loves us so much that he don't want to lose us. We're his children. Now, I don't believe in once saved, always saved. Let's clarify that. But I, all of my kids, I don't know what they could ever do for me to disown them. I'd knock them into next week for one thing. <laughs> But I don't know what I could do to disown them. I don't know what they could do so bad that I would just say, I'm done with you. Don't want to know you. Don't nothing. I don't know. Hope I never had to go through that part to find out. But I can't imagine. So I don't imagine God's in heaven looking at us tonight, church, and saying, hmm, what can I pick to make him or her not go to heaven? I believe that God will do everything he can in his power to save us from going to hell. That's how great God is to us. In hell, the rich man become concerned about his family. 
Listen, it's too late beyond the grave. How many's been in here before? And I know I got to shut up, but how many's been in here before? And how many's done this? And I've done this. I've done it myself. And I've, I've man, I've, I've kicked myself a million times. But when somebody died, you thought to yourself, man, I wish I would have went and talked to them about something. How many's missed opportunities with people that we, we wanted to talk to? We thought, well, we had time, but then time ran out and we didn't. And you said to yourself, darn it, I knew I should have went there. Today, your loved ones and your friends and your families and your co-workers and your neighbors, right now, they're still there. There's still time to talk and ask them how things are going. Say this in closing. The horror of hell is to think that our decision only affects us. It is never just me that it's never just me, church, that I affect somebody's life with. No, a thousand times, no. Dads, your decision affects your wife, your children, and your children's children. Your decisions impact everyone that you love. Mom, your decisions affect your husband, your children, and all your family. They all look at you and your life. They want to be just like you. They value your values and your decisions. Listen, our decisions not only affect us, they affect everyone we know. We're impacting people's lives whether we think it or not. You will decide what directions to point their lives in. Some will follow you through the death door. You must make the right decisions. I know some men, and I'm glad that I never had to do this, but some men couldn't wait till their sons turned 21 where they can drink with them. That's a decision that will affect them the rest of their life. I know there's a lot of things that we want our children to be proud of and be with us and do things with us, but the greatest example we can do is to show them Jesus. I think about all the people that I know, even some that goes to this church right now, and some of my friends that used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights. And now they're barely there to make one service, Josh. You know why? We let ourselves get cold. We let ourselves get bothered. We let ourselves get hurt. We let ourselves get troubled. The Bible says we're to assemble ourselves the more so as we see that day approaching. I don't want nothing to take away such great salvation that I have tonight. And I picked about every part of somebody's life tonight and I want you to stand with me if you would and as we get ready to dismiss. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, before I even leave this place, I want to give you the opportunity to come and pray and ask him into your life. If you once known him and you backslid and you're away from God, come, the master calleth. Tonight you lay your head down on the pillar. It's just another night. After a long, busy day, you snuggle down in your bed and thinking of tomorrow. You fall asleep, but it isn't just another day. It's your last day. You wake up to find yourself standing before God in heaven.
You're standing there and your life is played out before you. You see the people you've hurt, the times you've cheated, the times you've lied, the times you've done wrong, the times you broke God's laws. You know you're guilty. You stand before the judgment seat and you see Jesus standing there. His eyes are full of tears. He turns away. You hear a ringing voice that seems to carry forever. Guilty. You think this must be a dream. Surely I'm awake. You see an angel swoop down and take you into his arms. He carries you away into darkness. You struggle to go free. You can't. You've done everything. You can't get out of his arms. You cry out, please, please, just one more chance. Your voice rings through the darkness. There in the distance, you begin to see a light. The horizon is turning pink. You can't see that you are approaching the edge of something, or you can see the light is beyond. You begin to hear a noise. It's unlike any noise that you've ever heard, and suddenly you know it's the cries of thousands upon thousands of voices in agony. You close your eyes, and you can feel the heat. You don't want to look, but you do. You're looking into the gapping paws of hell, and the angel lifts you up and then casts you in. Doesn't have to be that way. The Bible said that Jesus made a way, but it's up to us. If we accept the gift of salvation, or we reject, we reject it. If we elect to follow Christ, he will forever <clears throat> be with us in heaven. If not, there's only one other choice. Listen, heaven is not in the clouds and it's not a harp. The picture we of God, of God wants us and our little lives in the Garden of Eden of heaven, cities, and revelation. It's a future full of wonder, excitement, and discovery. This is what God wants for you. Romans 10 and 9 says, If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is not hard. It is easy. God simply wants us to make him the Lord of our lives. He will then help us to have the best possible life that we can have. And he will lead us in a world and give us guidance and directions. If you're here tonight and you know for a shadow of a doubt that if the trumpet sound, you wouldn't go. Or you know you lay your head down on that pillow at night and you know if you died in your sleep, you would not make heaven. I'd be running to these altars right now. I'd be making me a way. I would be plugging through the crowd saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I wouldn't be scared. I wouldn't be ashamed. I wouldn't be worried about what somebody beside me thought. I would just worry about my relationship with me and God. So if you're here right now, I want you to come. And I want you to ask God to come and forgive you of all your sins. And lay yourself down at the mercy seat of God. I'm not going to hold you. We're fixing to transfer the service. But I want to give you that opportunity. Are you here? Is there one soul that could tell me tonight I want Jesus? backslid I've got away from him I've not had fellowship with him in a long time and tonight's your night would you come the opportunity awaits you tonight don't leave here like you came in Jesus name tonight church don't leave here like you came
I would like for you tonight, if you don't want to come, I'm glad that everybody's saved tonight. Just don't think you got one more day because we're not promised tomorrow. Don't leave here thinking I'm young, I'm a buck, I'm strong, nothing wrong with me. You can fall dead on the doorknob before you get out of this church. Don't leave tonight knowing that you missed a great opportunity. There's no, ch no chances, no second chances always. There's no third chances always because we don't know what lies ahead outside these doors. But I'd like for you to do one thing with me tonight before we close. I want you to say this little prayer with me. You know, very simple, very elegant, just very smart and simple to God. Just pray it with me if you would. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I say things and I do things that I shouldn't. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. God, I want you to be the Lord and my Savior. I acknowledge that Jesus died for me on the cross and rose again in victory. You are the resurrection Son of God. I pledge to do my best to serve you from this day forward. I receive right now the gift of forgiveness. I am now a child of God. I'm a Christian. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap of praise tonight. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. Remember Brother Miller tomorrow in the funeral. Those that can come, would you come and just be with Brother Miller and show him that you love him tomorrow.